Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Hockey at the Rock. We know, we know it's been a while. We have crowned a new Stanley Cup champion. And after a long six years of existence, the Vegas Golden Knights hoisted the cup after uh, what looked like a comfortable series against the Florida Panthers, who looked, uh, for lack of a better word, exhausted. But you know, weirdly enough, as everyone predicted, John, the East beat up on each other in a way that no one could have seen while the West emerged with the Stanley Cup champion. I think some version of that was expected, but definitely not the one that we saw. But in the end, the first seed from the Western Conference, a deserving champion, um, you know, more shenanigans with long-term injured reserve, so be it. But we go into the offseason now looking ahead as the Devils officially enter what feels like contender status around the league. Absolutely, Dan. Um, first and foremost, congratulations to the Las Vegas Golden Knights. They're a great example of a team that uh, they had great fortune in their first season, going all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. I mean, even making the playoffs, despite the number of goaltending injuries they had in that first season. But this was a team that just kept going in, going in, going in. You know, the culture was very clear. You're in Las Vegas, you're here to win games, and you're here to compete for championships. And they just did it. Jonathan Marchessault continues to be the latest example against heavy hockey, ruling everything in the playoffs as he won the Conn Smythe, despite being smaller than Jesper Bratt and Brad Marchand, um, among others. Uh, let's see. Oh, Sergei Bobrovsky turned into a pumpkin. <laughs> the Cinderella yeah. story died in that series. And that's kind of the big thing that Florida has to be really concerned about going forward, whereas they were a dominant force under Andrew Burnett two seasons prior. They Barely got into the playoffs thanks to Pittsburgh completely choking on applesauce in their final two regular season games. And Bobrovsky played out of his mind, uh, even though he didn't even start in the playoffs. It was Alex Lyons that started there. So if I'm a Florida fan, you can be happy, but at the same time scared about what next season's going to be. Because uh, guess what? Teams like the Devils are going to be better. Teams like, you know, you have to think Pittsburgh is going to get better because they have new management. Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo is on the cusp of doing things. Ottawa, Ottawa now has, Ottawa has a new owner, so I'm sure they're going to try to make a big splash sooner rather than later. Detroit is looking to improve sooner rather than later. It, it's a tight race. And the reality is, as much as we can clown on Toronto and Tampa Bay and especially Boston, those teams are not going to be bad next season. Yeah, Like, they're not going to fall apart. At least I don't think they're going to fall apart. But this is a New Jersey Devils podcast, Dan. That's exactly what I was going to say. There's and a lot so, of other offseason so, changes that happened. You know, GMs, presidents, players yeah. moving back and forth. But we'll talk about the Devil-centric ones because yeah. uh, that's, that's what you're here for. The people who matter want to know about the team who matters. And I will say, Dan, traditionally, the past couple of weeks would have been dead quiet. Traditionally... Yeah. Nothing much would have happened until maybe like this past week. The draft. Cause, yeah, because this coming week, we're recording this on Sunday night. Monday is the NHL award ceremony in Nashville. The draft is on Wednesday and Thursday. And then on July 1st, it's free agency frenzy. It's literally all packed into one week this, this year. Awesome. So, 
and you're going to get a schedule release in the middle of it. I'm sure you got qualifying offers due the day before free agency frenzy, which is going to make for some high end drama. You already get, but, but the NHL and the New Jersey devils have decided we're just going to do things as they happen. And Oh, so many things have happened in this past month. Where yeah. should we start, Dan? Where's, <sighs> where, where do you start? Fitz is not really waiting for anyone to tell him when to make transactions happen. Mm. Uh, that much is clear. And so the devils, we kind of had a few transactions that we expected to happen um, to various degrees. And one that, you know, we kind of expected to see, but maybe not to the team that we saw it to, was the shipping of Damon Severson to the Columbus Blue Jackets. It was a sign-and-trade deal, which was rare in the NHL to get him that full uh, eighth year with Columbus, but uh, good for him cashing out on a good season with the Devils in a favorable role. And uh, now he joins a division rival, but we knew this was coming. We knew that Luke Hughes and Simone Nemich really, you know, were lined up for that spot and still it kind of hurts to see him go, but there goes the longest tenure devil. Yep. Uh, now we're just left with miles wood who probably won't be re-signed by my estimation. But now that Severson's gone very realistically, it looks like graves might join him as well. I don't know. It, it's hard to tell for now because the looming thing for the devils and after they ship Severson off, they managed to sign Jesper Bratt to a long-term deal that was very necessary. And they managed to sign Eric Hall to a shorter-term deal, which, again, felt necessary. So just looking at it now, we're left with basically the Timo Meyer deal and then uh, filling out the bottom two lines. Well, it's a little bit more complicated than that, um, you know. But we'll get it. Let's get it. Let's talk about what has happened first, and then we'll get into what's left in terms of business. Because uh, I think that's Severson, the most important. Then. Yeah, let's start with Severson. So this one was a bit of a surprise because mm-hmm. there has exactly been one other sign and trade deal, and that was the big Matt Kachuk uh, trade last season, with where you know Kachuk it became a Panther. That's how it happened. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so this is the second, and Damon Severson got fifty million dollars over eight seasons. Pretty he good. is he's going to make eight million dollars in actual total salary for this coming season and the following season, and he will make no less than five point one million in salary, which is interestingly enough the last salary he received from the New Jersey Devils. So and he, plays he got a, kind of in a different spot for them that he did for the Devils this year, right? Like he, he yeah. he'll probably have a more significant role there. He has to. He has yeah. to. Like you're paying this. He's the highest paid defenseman on the team. The couple days wow. prior, couple days prior, the Blue Jackets acquired Ivan Provorov. So this was clearly Yarmo Kekalainen saying, I need my team to be way better than whatever that last this past season was for them. So mm-hmm. let's let's improve that defense. Let's go big. Let's show that we're serious. And to be fair, if you were interested in Damon Saverson, there's a good chance Saverson was going to be the most expensive free agent in free agency frenzy if he made it to July 1st. Because wow. you look at the you, you know defense he's a right-sided defenseman, right-handed shot. They're always in demand. He has statistically always been a very good player with the caveat that his catastrophes don't show up in the yeah. numbers. So at, at glance, you go, whoa, why wouldn't anybody want to sign this guy up for 10 years or 12 years and keep him on your team forever and ever? And the answer is you watch him play enough and you realize, oh, you can't fully trust him with the big minutes. And unfortunately, that's what Columbus is going to have to do now. And again, again, in a lot of ways, you know, the the Devils, he's a victim of circumstance here mm-hmm. with how the Devils have been drafting recently and 
what's waiting in the pipeline and not just what's waiting, but how successful those guys specifically have. Yeah, Luke Hughes Hughes has an NHL job next year. I know he has to technically earn it, but let's be real, Dan. He's earning an NHL job. I mean, he played playoff games already. (laughs) Exactly. The minute they signed Dougie Hamilton, you could have counted Damon Severson's number in New Jersey was about to end at some point Mm because you already have Dougie. You have Luke Hughes in the wings, which he's showing off to be exactly who you thought he would be. Nemich almost makes it a guarantee that you have to move on from Severson. And then cap-wise, well, you know, you got Marino on the books on the blue line. Siegenthaler's extension now kicks in. Um, Hughes is eventually going to need a raise. Kevin Ball's going to get a raise. And all the other free agents need big raises. So Severson kind of, you know, keeping him would have been way expensive. You know, the Devils, Tom Fitzgerald was apparently very forthright with Severson to say, we love you, but we can't afford you anymore. And he understood that. I think he went to the season knowing that and could kind of see. He wanted eight years and. Not happening. (laughs) Yeah, not happening in New Jersey. One year, sure, but not eight. But yeah, the timelines just didn't align this time around. So Columbus is making a big bet on Severson. You're absolutely right. This is the end of an era. He's the last Lou Lamorello player in the organization. That's Because Miles Wood was drafted in 2014, but he didn't play until after. Uh, But uh, Severson... Best of luck to you in Columbus, and have some catastrophes when you when, in those four games between the Devils and Columbus. <laughs> yeah, uh, that that will inevitably happen. Um, is Columbus a better team? I guess if they're less injured, they will be. But uh, their top four still has Erica Branson in it, Dan. So mm-hmm. I'm not willing to, you know, give them any flowers as the kids. I mean, hey, you you judge, but that's what got them Johnny Gaudreau. Anyway, Dan, <laughs> let's let's move on to something more positive. Jesper uh, Bratt, eight years, sixty-three million to match his number. Pretty good. Jack Hughes said, "Sign the deal if you want to be here." He signed the deal. He did. <laughs> D- no complaints from me. Uh, we uh, can basically just bury this whole drama now. Uh, at this point, it's very clear that Bratt is an established part of the core. We uh, move on to the next point. I think, right? Well, he's absolutely part of the core. You know, the complaint after last season was, oh, he's got to prove that, you know, 2021, 20, 2021, 2022 wasn't a fluke. He's got to prove it again, as if like being the best player on a really crummy hockey team wasn't good enough. Yeah. He matched his point total, scored a couple more goals, in fact. And as much as all the complaints there were about him in the playoffs, we're still talking about a guy with six points in 11 games, which is still a decent amount of production overall. Say what you want about the one goal, but. He, if we're if we're not talking about Jesper Bratt setting up Dougie Hamilton in overtime in Game Three at MSG, we're not talking about any of this. So, yep. anyway, but uh, Bratt gets a massive, massive uh, raise. He's getting ten million dollars next season, Dan. Uh, he's getting Good five, five. Good yeah, half of his money is in signing bonus money. The other half is in base salary. So he'll get some protection if and when there's a CBA issue. He has a no movement clause after this coming season that's lasting for four seasons. And then he has a 15 team, no trade list uh, in the final three years of the deal. He comes in just under Jack Hughes. So people like me who were thinking, come on, you got to pay the guy more than Jack Hughes. Cause Jack Hughes signed a couple, you know, when the cap was a little lower and therefore yeah. you have to adjust to the market, but Fitzgerald, but no. stood his, Fitzgerald stood his ground. The agent presumably said, fine. Jesper wants to be here for eight years. 7.875 is perfectly fine with him. So he's nestled right in between Mr. Hughes, 
and Mr. Heischer as the third pot as the second highest uh, forward in terms of cap hit on the team right now. And he is locked in until 2031. He is the longest tenure devil, at least until T- Timo Meyer gets his contract signed. It's exactly what you'd want to see. I mean, it, it yeah. is, you can't imagine a better deal than that, not yeah. only for the context of being less than Hughes, but just what it brings to the team in general and the lack of having to worry about it next season. And they can really just yeah. build around knowing this is there. Now they focus on Timo Meyer with Brat signed to an extension that is more mm-hmm. than reasonable here. Yeah, but uh, last week, the signing, the Devils uh, signed a UFA, Eric Halla, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. He signed mm-hmm. for three more seasons at $3.15 million, uh cap hit. So he's getting a pretty big boost in pay. He's actually getting close to $4 million this coming season. Uh, but I think the real reward for Hall is that he's finally gets to stick on one team for the first time since yeah. 2019. Like ever since he was with the Las Vegas Golden Knights in 2018-19, he's been in Carolina, then Florida, then Nashville, then Boston, and then New Jersey, yeah. all within the next four seasons. So he finally gets to not have to move, not have to uproot his family, not have to, you know, sign up for daycare and, you know, do all the other rigmarole that you have to do moving around. He gets a nice bump in pay. I wish, I wish the set, I wish the contract re-signing was two years instead of three, because he is 32 years old. There is a real potential for a decline. Yeah. But but his salary is going to drop to 2.4 million in that final year. And he, and his no trade clause becomes a 16 no trade list, which I imagine is going to have Carolina on it. But <laughs> but nevertheless, um, you know, there's an op there's an out clause, as it were. So the Devils clearly liked Eric Halla. Eric Halla clearly liked being here. Devils center prospects are not that good. You needed a center. Done and dusted. Again, by all measures, like a fair or even better than fair deal for the team. And yeah, hard to complain. He clearly brought something to that locker room that they were lacking before. He clearly was an important voice for the team. And again, happy he'll be back and kind of feels like he was a crucial piece of it to it all. And again, another thing that gives me solace about him is that there's no possible way he could be as snake bitten as he was this year, right? I'd like to believe that that's true. Well, to be fair, Dan, he did get hot towards the end of the season and in the in the first that's round, true. he got true. he surged. He legitimately surged. We watched it. We enjoyed it. We reveled in it. Yeah, but you that's... are right. The man missed like forty empty nets. Uh, it seemed like over the season. So like imagine if he hit half those opportunities. Well, he may not they get those, have lost half those the opportunities Panthers in the first round. <laughs> Whatever. The point is, is that he's probably not going to play with Jack Hughes as nearly as much as he did last season, but that's a different discussion for a different time. Yeah. Okay. So that takes care of the signings from the Devils in terms of players, but they also made a signing in terms of personnel. Mm -hmm. Travis Green joins them, uh, former Vancouver Canucks coach. Um, I, you know, I'm interested in this one. I'm intrigued to see what he does. Another connection between the Canucks organization uh, joining Curtis Lazar last year and uh, Quinn Hughes in the future so um, you know it, it's you know if if not for nothing it's nice to see that people are choosing the Devils as a destination and continue to choose them ever since um, you know th- this new regime took over Dougie Hamilton kind of being the first harbinger of that but now people are listening to the pitch they're kind of seeing the situation in New Jersey saying they're pretty close well you know, to, to give a bit of background, Andrew Burnett was hired by Nashville. Yep. 
to be their head coach. So, you know, the rumor of a devil's person moving on and Burnett was somebody that was highly, ta- you know, his name was in the news. His name was in the media going, hey, how come he's not a head coach? And Nashville said, yeah, he should be our head coach. He's better than John Hines. Mm-hmm. So the Devils needed to replace Burnett's spot. They got Travis Green. I'm not a big fan of this signing. I don't think it's awful. But this man's power, the power play un, in Vancouver while he was head coach was, mm-hmm. it basically boils down to this. Did the team shoot the puck well? Did they have a high shooting percentage? If the answer was yes, then their power play rate was very good. If it was not, then it wasn't. Uh, it basically speaks to the fact that uh, he and the assistants that were in charge of the power play at that time um, didn't have a very strong system. And I think if your complaint about Andrew Burnett was that the power play wasn't very good like it wasn't as uh consistently threatening as it should have been given the personnel involved especially in the playoffs um keep in mind again in the playoffs their two opponents were like two of the top penalty killing teams in the league but still i get mm-hmm. it you know but your power play needed to be better i don't see green as an upgrade um and i'm hoping that if lindy ruff does move on because his extension you know was a confirmed by fitzgerald weeks you know back in may um but Nothing official has been announced, so I don't know how long Ruff is going to go. I'm hoping Green isn't going to be groomed as the heir apparent because he does have that head coaching background with Vancouver. And I'm going to be real with you, Dan. Vancouver was pretty bad. I mean, to be fair, he had Jim Benning as his GM. So, you know, yeah, maybe tough. Travis maybe Travis Green in a competent organization uh, will thrive. So I'm a little cooler on the on the personnel decision, but at least, you know, you can say they had experience and it is a positive that uh, Green picked New Jersey over Calgary, uh, an organization that seemingly everybody wants to leave right now. Yeah. And uh and a very very wealthy and a very very hungry and a very very uh what's the word I'm looking for here, Dan? Desperate? Maybe desperate is the right word I want to use. Uh the Toronto Maple Leafs who already lost Kyle Dubas over a beef over money. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. Mr. Mr. Shanna, Mr. Shanahan and his Shanna plan is uh, currently going up into flames right now. Well, yeah, that one, I mean, again, with the, with the higher of green, it's hard to say until they start playing games, what mm-hmm. that'll look like. Um, just because, you know, brunette, whatever he offered, the power play was better. It still mm-hmm. wasn't great. And I just don't know what feels like i i don't know what the fix is i don't know how yeah, they it, it's just weird. put pucks in the net it's very strange considering the amount of talent they had and the success rate at every other state that they had outside of the power play it's yeah, super the, weird like they even got lucky a lot problem. of points yeah like yeah, um but whatever we'll see that more like i said when they start playing games again when they get you know the full off season with this new crew that they have and it's almost a complete turnover of the devils once miles wood is officially signed somewhere else that'll basically be it that that's that's the end of the uh i don't want to say end of lamorella but even end of conte how would you yeah that's that's a good that's a good demarcation point yeah conte i was wondering like how to kind of bring that well, to a close and man what an era for the devils in terms of lack of drafting success and hopefully they you know avoid that kind of draft again in this upcoming one but they don't have a pick until the second round um will the devils maybe try to trade back into the first round because there's some players that the devils are rumored to be oh, yeah. talking about shipping out 
I don't know if those guys warrant a first round pick, but maybe there's some sort of package that can be made. But the the people here are going to be the casualties of, you know, the Devils have a glut of good prospects and just not enough roster spots for them. So uh, I'm talking about Jaeger Sharangovich. I think he his yeah. name has been, you know, spoken about a lot. And I think also the other name that's somehow come up is Mackenzie Blackwood because somehow other GMs have not watched these last two seasons of hockey well, and still have uh, expressed some interest in well the goaltender. Well, you're not wrong. And there's definitely a sentiment that goaltending is seen as sort of like a, you know, sort of like a roll of the dice. Because you look at an Adden Hill, you yeah. look at, um, well, pretty much yeah, any perfect. goaltender that came out of Arizona and San Jose over the past couple of years where they leave the organization and they just like, play amazing and you're just like wondering how mm-hmm. when, when did you learn how to stop pucks um but uh in the in the case of blackwood you know fitzgerald has been very coy i believe the last time ryan novazinski talked to him about it i believe the quote was that uh well we might sign him we might not qualify him, we might trade him we don't know yet mm-hmm. to be fair fitzgerald is not going to publicly say my goalie stinks and i'm willing to dump him as yeah. soon as possible for any sucker that's willing to take him exactly but uh but, uh, you know, the thing is, is that uh, he doesn't have a position on this team anymore. It's Vitek Vanacek and Akira Schmid. And the other rumor that uh, came from James Nichols is that supposedly the Devils have been kicking the tires on Connor Hellebuck mm-hmm. in Winnipeg since he, after Winnipeg's first round loss and the acrimonious uh, post-playoff situation up in Winnipeg. Yeah. Um, Hellebuck has already said, I'm not signing an extension there. And he has one season left on his contract. So he's I basically mean, saying, trade me now. That's I love the no extension option, though. Like, that. that's also been discussed. I know Pierre LeBron said something about the Devils. Initially, they were talking about, you know, Hellebuck being willing to sign an extension here, which, to be honest with you, makes absolutely no sense timeline-wise for this team. but Or money-wise. <laughs> money-wise as well. But goalies are a little bit different. Regardless, yeah. I don't think he, that's something that was realistic. However, short term, I'm down. Well, here's the thing. Hellebuck, one, his cap hit is just over $6 million. His actual salary is $7.5 million. And I bring that up because uh, as far as part of the same LeBron article, Hellebuck has said he wants Andre Vasilevsky money. And yeah, to be not... fair, well, actually, Dan, if you look at the stats over the past couple, past three seasons, his numbers are pretty close to Vasilevsky. Sorry, so it's not, not get... happening from the Devils. No, it's not happening from the Dells. That's my larger point. Like, yeah. I'm not going to sacrifice Dawson Mercer and future extensions for um, uh, for Hughes, for Nemec, future prospects, just because the Devils wanted to get the big name goalie. Yeah. Um, you know, Agreed. and to be fair, Hellebuck and Vasilevsky, like Viktor Vanacek, had bad playoffs this past season. So, you know, there's no guarantee that spending a lot of money on a goaltender is going to take you to the promised land. If that was the case, Florida would have made the made it to the finals a whole bunch of times already. He is one of the few guys in this league that's, you know, worth the price tag, I would say. Well, uh, he is th- himself. Well, he he definitely so, but keep in mind he is 30 years old. Yep. And, know, and again, he's not worth that price tag for this team. He's worth the price no. tag for somebody else. Correct. And that's probably what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Going back to the rumors involving the devil. So, apparently according to James Nichols and 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 others, like I think LeBron said this, that um, Sharon Govich is on the block. And that makes sense because you look at the roster for the Devils. And I'm just going to run down the names of the free agents that are still left to be signed. And I want you to just tell me, are, do you think they're going to stay or not, Dan? Okay. Blackwood, I think we can both know. The answer is no. Gone. 
gone. Jonathan Bernier off LTIR, gone. <laughs> I wasn't even aware he was still around. He, he was on the LTIR, Dan. Awesome. <laughs> he, he kept the team cap compliant. That was his role. Well, thank God for him. All right. Thomas Tatar, who didn't show up for the media part of the he's, breakdown he's, day. I, I think they'll work something out with him. Oh, you think they'll? Okay. Yeah, would I have think to, it would have to be a pay cut, I would hope. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay. Miles Wood, based on your earlier. Yeah, he, yeah, gone. I, I would agree. I think Miles Wood is too much of a luxury for this mm-hmm. organization. Kevin Ball. You got to give him a deal. He's RFA. But yeah, he's going to be re-signed and given a nice bump in pay. Ryan yeah, Graves, UFA. I think he's gone. Yeah, I think so too. I think the ascendancy of Ball. Plus the in, inclusion of Hughes and you, and I think the devils want to get Nemich into the NHL sooner rather mm-hmm. than later. So keeping graves kind of makes no sense. Yep. Timo Meyer sounds like yeah. they are. Yeah. Going to keep him. Uh, eight Kevin, years. Week, Kev, Kevin Weeks dropped an eight by 8.5 suggestion while he was hanging out at a Walgreens in North Bergen. If that happens, I mean, if that happens, that is, that's exactly what you'd want. That is oh, yeah, exactly be... what you'd want. That would be ideal. That would be an ideal situation. I don't think it's going to be that ideal, but that, that would be ideal. It's it's too good to be true. However, things have gone remarkably well over this, uh, you know, last calendar year for the Devils. Yeah, Tom Fitzgerald has put in a lot of excellent. He's done a lot of really good business. So even yeah. though there are parts that I could say, you know, are criticisms and issues and other things, by and large, his, you know. The results speak for themselves, and mm-hmm. the business-wise is excellent. He's managing the cap well so far. Now, this is going to be the real challenge is what he does with the Sharon, the Sharon Govich's and these other prospect. Uh, I'm sorry, these other signings I'm about to mention. Sharon Govich is on the trading block, apparently, Dan, so I don't think he's coming back. Do you? I, I think if you can get something for him, you should right now. I mean, I think yeah. he's someone who it was clear that they could bench him for long periods of time and really not see an impact to their results um yeah i mean he he's helpful when he's on he can score goals when he's you know feeling the touch and he can kill penalties but i don't know they, they, it feels like yeah, they have some guys that can fill that role it, yeah he basically lost his spot in the team's plans to the point where he wasn't playing playoff games and i think that's usually a really good sign of like this is where the team sees you he only played a handful of games out of this not so much necessity just to change things up but, you know, throughout the whole this past season compared to his first season with the Devils under mm-hmm. Lindy Ruff, same coaching staff, same head coach, same GM. You know, he was playing first line minutes with Jack Hughes and Yanni Kwakadin. Well, Kwakadin was bought out. Yeah. <laughs> Sharon Govich losses has not played much with Jack Hughes. And as such, we're seeing the results. He's got a great shot. I do agree he can score and produce quite well. He can be an asset at five on five. But I really don't think the Devils see him as somebody who keeps up with the pace of play they want to play. Yeah. And as such, you know, in a third line role, he's just sort of like, it's an awkward fit. So I think I I agree that I'm of the opinion that the best thing for both sides is to move him if you can. This way, Sharon mm-hmm. Gomez can keep his career going, which in of itself is a minor miracle since he was a fifth round double overage draft pick out of Belarus. Uh, those guys typically do not make it to the NHL period, <laughs> much less, you know, play three seasons. He's actually a top 10 scorer out of the 2018 draft class, Dan. Did you know nice. that? That's cool. Yeah. It's also a testament to the 2018 draft class not being that strong at forward, yeah, but, but I know. still like it. Nevertheless. Okay, moving on, Dan. Here's three interesting names. Nathan Bastion. Does he come back? I think they like him enough to come back, even though mm-hmm. I don't think he should. 
Okay. I think I think he will come back, even though I know that Fitzgerald has been talking up Nolan Foot like he's a thing, and I'm not I've yet to well, Foot also plays on the left side and Bashan plays on the right. Never mind. Jesper Bokefist, Dan. Does he come mm, back? No. Okay, I think he does. They okay. told him get an you know, get a house, don't get an apartment. Oh, they did, okay. So I think the organization likes him enough as depth, but I do agree that he's not really a great fit. I don't think if they, if Bokefist was playing better, I don't think they ever get Curtis Lazar. I'll put it that way. Yeah. And now here's the interesting one, Dan, Michael McLeod. I think honestly, they keep him. I I, I think for the first time this season, he justified his presence on the team. Well, see, here's the thing, Dan, a week ago, I would have agreed with you. Mm -hmm. And then as I was putting together a post for Saturday about, you know, revisiting trade targets, I saw that at the athletic two guys who were pretty plugged in with Vancouver, uh, Hamayat Darrell and uh, Thomas Strantz said, you know, Vancouver could use a bottom six center and Michael McLeod's a bottom six center. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can get Michael McLeod. I mean, sure. You know, as much as I can say, yeah, McLeod was a pretty useful fourth line center. Um, I think his, performance at the Carolina series is a bit overrated because <laughs> yeah he, he's produced the few some of the few points the Devils got in that series but he also got caved in repeatedly on the ice no no thanks to Miles Wood not being able to play defense against Carolina but that being said um my concern with a guy like McLeod and it's sort of the same thing with Bokefist and Bastion and Sharon Govich in a sense is it's very tempting for a GM to give these guys big raises Maybe mm-hmm. like not not big in the sense of you're going to give them five million, Dan. But like you start giving them two million, you give them three, two and a half, you give them three. This this the stuff adds up, and this is the sort of thing that if you start overpaying your player, your internal free agents who play these depth roles so much, you, that's when you start getting into cap problems. You don't get into cap problems because you sign Jesper Bratt to less than eight million on average, or because you're going to give Timo Meyer somewhere between eight and nine million. As a cap hit, Dan, you get into trouble when you overpay the players that are more replaceable than the than those two. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of the challenge that Fitzgerald is going to have to manage. And I do, and I think it's good that you know they're taking calls on Sharon Govich, and I'm sure if they can move on from Blackwood for anything, that's probably a good thing too, because ultimately they got to you know they got to find areas to improve and tweak the roster, and that means moving on from some guys that. Other teams would have just kept. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, who do they replace him with? Uh, who who are the guys that are floating around, or who are the guys in the organization that would take that spot then? Well, this would be somebody he would get on July first. Yeah, he would go out and get someone like a, a Lazar. In fact, um, I'm not going to quickly go through all the centers uh, that are up for uh, unrestricted free agency right now, but I will say, Dan, that finding a fourth line center is a lot easier than finding a first line winger, especially in this free agency group. Well, yeah, um, I'm not worried about the first couple of lines. And it it is about, again, giving a lot of these prospects an actual chance to play as well. Um, yes. Somewhere in this equation fits Alexander Holtz, hopefully. Yeah, that's right. You know? It's but almost like we forgot where? about Holtz. Exactly. You got to find a spot for him. And um, likewise, they've talked up Nolan Foote. Um, Topias Valen, he was Graham the other defender. Yeah, I feel like Graham Clark really should have gotten an opportunity over Nolan Foot, but the organization seemingly disagrees with me about that. Well, he will. It feels like he will. Right. You know, if you get lucky and Josh Philman turns into somebody, you have to consider about him in the long term future. Uh, I'm just quickly checking the list here. Uh, 
Nico Dawes could be your number three goalie. Yeah, he could. He could be. Well, he's injured right now, so he can't yeah, be well, at the not, moment. Not but now, that's but, yeah. but that's that's a Utica problem. Um, yeah. So the Devils have quite a bit of business to do, but good on Fitzgerald to knock off one of the biggest free agents he had to resign and resign Jesper Bratt for eight years. So you have that security. You don't have to worry about him. You can work around that. And um, already moving on from Severson means great. You got a you got Calgary's third round pick. You got an 80th overall pick. You effectively replaced the pick that you gave up to get John Marino. Mm-hmm. So pretty good. good, good business. And if Timo Meyer gets sorted out over the next couple of days, even better. Going into July first, knowing full well how much money you have to spend, is just makes everything a lot easier to manage. Because you know, as as we're talking right now, Dan, the Devils technically have twenty three point two million in uh, cap space, mm-hmm. but uh, we know Meyer's going to eat up a massive chunk of that. Ball's going to get a, a piece of that. And a couple of these other RFAs they just mentioned are going to get a piece of that. So that number is going to go down pretty quick. Um, so, you know, if they can get that business done by July 1st, then that just makes the day easier, if a little bit more boring for the Devils. But hey, the Devils That's have fine. a good team. They don't have to, you know, go out and spend tons of money on Ivan Barbashev. <laughs> I mean, the last few off seasons before this one were very exciting. And now I'm very happy that that leads to a very boring one. I'd like more boring off seasons, please, where we could just keep the team mostly intact. Uh, that's not exactly what's going to happen in this one, but it, it's starting to shape up where you're locking in enough players that the team will look very similar year to year. Exactly. And to that end, the Devils getting a little respect from the league, being seen as contenders. They were announced to be at MetLife Stadium for the 2024 Stadium Series. Mm-hmm. against the Philadelphia Flyers of all teams. Mm-hmm. What, what the NHL is doing at MetLife here in East Weatherford, New Jersey, home of the New York Giants and some lo- lesser football team called the Jets, um, they're having a double header there. So the Devils are going to play the Flyers one day, and then the next day we're going to see uh, our hated rivals play against the Islanders, which is a bit of a shrewd move by by the NHL to say, look, you got four local teams we have an 80,000-seater stadium that all th- all those organizations know all about because a, a lot of hockey fans are football fans. They know how to get them at life. And uh, I think it's a credit to the Devils that the NHL is saying, look, we're not going to make you play your hated rival and you know guarantee a big gate where you're going to trust that you can draw enough against what is potentially going to be a team in transition for the Philadelphia Flyers. I'll, I'll put it nicely. I don't think they're going to... That's they're very not gonna, generous of you. They're, they're not going to blow it up. I mean, they kind of are sort of blowing it up, but Daniel Briere, who's now their GM, uh, he, he's wheeling and dealing, Dan. He's mm-hmm. he's he's moving guys on and uh, trying to make space, but he's also trying to keep players. Like, it, it's an... I, I'm not super sure what he's trying to do, but he got out of the Provorov deal. He's, supposed, he's close to getting out of the Kevin Hayes deal, as we're talking right now. He rejected a pretty big haul for scott lofton uh tony d could be moving back to carolina he got cal peterson like Mm -hmm. it's going to be an it's i don't think this team's going to be great but i don't think they're going to be terrible if that makes any sense yeah um so that could be a but you know the nhl saying look we trust the devils to draw enough to help fill that stadium if you can fill it up even halfway that's still forty thousand people man that's still a very good gate. So I mean, the happen. real the real respect as contenders comes from the odds makers who are giving the Devils now fourth or somewhere around fourth best odds to win the Stanley Cup 
in most places that I've seen at least. So uh, there you go. I, I feel like they're the ones who really have the inside story on the narratives here. So uh, right. that's what you want to look at. And that's the respect you want to see. There's a lot of faith in the devils to build on what they did last year. And why not? Their core is locked in now. They know they're going to be around for a while. They know they have time to build into this. And they're still very, very young. That's the key piece here. That's the difference between them and the other contending teams from this year. The Devils had their four main players, or four of their five, I guess, be under 24 years old. Well, we to love be fair, Brat and Heesh are 24. That's, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah, it's it's Fine, a young under group. Under 25. How Fine. about that? It, yeah. There Keep in go. mind, Dan, we're going to be voting on that later this summer. Uh, anyway, true. anyway, but you know what? Did who didn't get any respect, Dan? Patrick Eliash and Alexander McGillney. The Hockey Hall of Fame announced their inductions for later this year. I'm going to read out the list here, Dan. The seven people. The seven people, Dan. Yep. First, we've got uh, Henrik Lundqvist. Say what yep. you want about his the coupless king of New York. Yep, fair he, enough. He was the best. He was one of the best goalies of his generation, and that's yep. what a Hall of Fame should be. Are you the best of your generation? No Are question. you one of the best of all time? At least among the players you played with. Longfist absolutely was. He's in. Carolyn Willette, the one women's uh, edition. She played for Canada. So, of course, she has a bajillion medals. Um, she also played for the CWHL back when they didn't pay the players. So she's not the smartest player in the world. But she played a lot. She was a captain of that Canadian team. She's won lots of individual awards. She's the most decorated person. Sure, she can go into the Hall of Fame. That's mm-hmm. fine. Women's hockey is a small pond, but she was on two, one of the two big fish. So, so be it. Pierre Lacroix is a builder. He's the GM of uh, the team that became the Colorado Avalanche. He joined the organization, the Quebec organization in 94. He's the one that made the deal for Patrick Waugh. He made the deals, the two deals for that involved Claude Lemieux. He swapped Olin Nolan for Sandus Ozilich. He flipped Ricci and a pick for Shan Donovan and the pick that became Alex Tangway. He got Ray Bork, Dave Anderchuk, Rob Blake. Uh, you know, the Colorado under the recall won two Stanley Cups, much to the regret of us because it really should have been the Devils in 2001. Um, and he also went to the Western Conference Final four other times. That's that's an excellent run of success. Mm-hmm. And he is Colorado's longest GM, even though Joe Sackick is probably going to pass him. I, I I respect him being a builder. He took a new team to a newer new market, and they hit it big right away. Good for him. Then we get into the contentious part. Dan Ken Hitchcock is in. Mm-hmm. Ken Hitchcock. Yep. Who won one Jack Adams Trophy in 2012, one Stanley Cup with Dallas, and um won a grand total of seven playoff series since 2000. Um, if you liked good regular season results and not so good playoff results, Ken Hitchcock was your man. How is he a builder? I do not know, Dan. No, I don't I, either. No. Um, then we get into Pierre Turgeon. Yep. There's, there's a case here. I mean, he did put up over 500 goals and 1,300 points while playing mostly when mostly in the dead puck era. So, I mean, he was a very productive player. He was a consistent 60-plus point player up until the final five seasons of his career, and he put at least 40 of those until his final one in 2006, 2007. He played an incredibly long time, Dan. But his individual 
his like, individual award was mm-hmm. the Lady Bing Trophy. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think there's something to be said about being one of the top players from a given franchise's history, maybe. Yeah, but he, he played for a bunch of different franchises, though. So it doesn't uh, apply to wait, Pierre. Is who am I thinking of then? I'm thinking of someone. Oh, else. you're you're you're. We're gonna get to him. We're gonna get to him, Dan. We're gonna get to him. One moment. I am not happy about. Well, I mean, I think you're thinking of Lungfist actually, but well, no, no, no. I mean, Lungfist. I can completely understand his case. Like after yeah, being Terzer... frustrated by it for years, but I, I was thinking of a different guy. Never mind. Carry on. Okay. Mostly then, Sabers, then... right here. Well, he played. Terjan played for the Sabers. He also played for the Islanders. Oh, yeah, he okay, also played okay. for Dallas. He played for. Let's see here. He also played for St. Louis. Mm-hmm. He played in St. Louis almost as long as he did for Buffalo. Actually, played for Montreal. Played for Dallas. That was his. Uh, the Devils played against him. In De- actually, no, he was in St. Louis. Never mind. I thought he was in that Stanley Cup Finals against the Devils in two thousand. Never mind. And he yeah. ended his career in Colorado after the uh, lockout in two thousand five. So that that's. Again, he you know played. What? He played nineteen years, so yeah. I mean, he played a long time. But I, I, the fact that he's in, but Alexander Mogilny, who has exactly as many Lady Bing awards and has a higher rate of production, re, and also has the accomplishment of defecting from the Soviet Union as a junior, mm-hmm. um, I, I feel like it makes no sense for Terjan to be in Terjan to be in instead of uh, Mogilny. It just doesn't. Yeah, that I, I, I don't really understand that at all. And then we come to the two people who have no business being in a hockey hall of fame dan i am salty about this one i am seething i'm mad i am still annoyed by this goaltender barasso tom barasso and Mm -hmm. goaltender mike vernon (laughs) tom barasso had an amazing rookie season yes he won the calder and the vezina and the all rookie team and the all-star team way back in 1983 84 rad Back in it, back then, an eighty-nine point three save percentage was really good. Cool, bro. And the eighty-four, eighty-five season, his sophomore season was nearly as good. And then since then, he was just good. He wasn't great. He wasn't amazing. He wasn't a stud. He didn't win any other awards except for you Didn't know, he win third. with Pittsburgh? He won two cups with Pittsburgh. Yeah. He he, I like he that matters. Yeah, but Dan Sergey Breland's not in the Hall of Fame, and he's got three Stanley Cups. I know, right? Pat Maroon's <laughs> got multiple cups. He's not going to the Hall of Fame either. Ugh, I mean, listen, we, we look, love that, man. <laughs> look, here's the thing. I understand Tom Barrasso was on a lot of ballots for the Vezina throughout the 80s when goaltending was miserable mm-hmm. and in the early 90s when goaltending was still miserable. But this isn't the Hall of Almost. This is the Hall of Fame. He mm-hmm. has a career save percentage of 89.2%. Unless Barrasso like, created a new way to play goaltending or he invented a new piece of equipment or something yeah this is not hall of fame worthy it just isn't dan it isn't and then <sighs> we get to a player with less credentials than tom barrasso vernon i actually don't understand it all because i remember him well and i i never for a second thought he had a hall of fame resume he never won a visit dan he made <laughs> one one all-star team which was the second team in 88 89 on that calgary team that won it all he he his only individual trophy was a William Jennings trophy, which he had to share with Chris Osgood. Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. He got a con Smythe in 1997. Cool. He played on an awesome Detroit team that just stomped everybody out. So Rad. is that the case? Is that the entire case right there? I mean, if that's the case, Jonathan Marchessault is going to be a hall of famer. 
I mean, well, again, I think Jair is going to be a Hall of Famer now that Vernon's in. Well, yeah, people look at goalies a little differently, I was going to say. But yeah, Jair is a good example of exactly that. I mean, I, I don't know about this one, folks. I don't really know the logic behind this one. Keep in mind, this is the same guy that got absolutely wrecked by the New Jersey Devils in 1995. Yep. Like, this guy was given up you know, goofy, goofy goals in 1995. Yeah. You know, I mean, he just had a hot streak in 1997. That's all that Consmite was. And that's the thing that bothers me. Somebody, people on that committee, people who've played the game, people who, you know, follow hockey, they're hockey historians, they're respected names in the game, Dan. They're respected people. They all got together and said, we want the starter for Alberta's second best team from the 80s. He's mm-hmm. got to be in the Hall of Fame. A man who added nothing new to the goaltending position. A man that outside of the Calgary, the greater Calgary area, nobody ever, no kid has ever said, I want to play goaltender like Mike Vernon. No, nobody said this. He wouldn't even make, you know, if this was the Calgary only hockey Hall of Fame, sure, put him in there. If you want to put him in hockey players named Mike, maybe he gets in. Mm, the no. actual full Hall of Fame, no. This makes zero, zero sense. Personally, Dan, I fairly I was always fairly agnostic about Mogilny. And I was all, I was usually leaning against Eliash getting into the Hall of Fame because you know Eliash doesn't have the individual hardware that I would think warrants being a Hall of Fame player. But now that Vernon's in, Turjan's in, Barrasso's in, Hitchcock's in, Eliash should be should be in the Hall of Fame yesterday. And Mogilny oh, yeah. should have been absolutely been in this class. And I understand the women's hockey fans, all 12 of them saying, oh, there should have been two women inducted. Absolutely. I would have picked a lot of women over Mike Vernon. I mean, I'm going to I'm going to be honest with you. I really do not have a strong opinion on this whatsoever. I, I think it's cool when devils get in. But I think the criteria are just always so ridiculous and the decisions are always so ridiculous that it's kind of impossible for me to take them seriously a lot of the time. Yeah, and so one... I don't put too much stock into this. There was one rumor that Mogilny continues to be denied because, you know, he is Russian yeah. and they don't want to do that. We're going to see if that's really true because next year, Pavel Datsuk becomes eligible. And if yeah. Pavel Datsuk doesn't get in on the first try. That would well, actually be crazy. That that that, that was... was incredible <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly he's basically if you ever wondered hey what was what if patrice Ber- what if patrice bergeron came from russia not that's i kinda, mean that's kind of you're kind of close it's like what if patrice bergeron came from russia but also was a wizard so he was a combination of ray whitney and patrice bergeron but like but like ray whitney haha adorable name but like this man made the puck disappear and reappear moments later it was it was yeah. I mean, it's like watching a great soccer player dribble, honestly. It was like... This is true. He had such a feel for the puck. It was like an extension of him more than it was, you know, a projectile. Exactly. In any it, case. It was awesome. Anyway, sort of put a bow on all this. Yes. We already have some information for next season, Dan. We pre-season have a preseason schedule. schedule. That's right. Yep. So I've got this up here. I had this up here. Anyway, we got confirmation that training camp's going to open uh, for the rookies on September 13th, which is a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And the veterans are going to show up on the 20th, also a Wednesday. And then the activities will get started on Monday, September 25th, with a split squads game, Dan. They're going to mm-hmm. have half the, half the camp in Montreal and the other half at the Prudential Center playing Philadelphia. All right. And then on Thursday, they're going to play our hated rivals in MSG. They're going to go to Philly on September 30th, which is a Saturday. 
Then on October 2nd, which is a Monday, they're going to host the Islanders. Wednesday, October 4th, they're going to play our hated rivals at the Rock. And then preseason will end on Friday, October 6th. Uh, no broadcast information has been announced. All games are uh, going to be at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, this is a traditional preseason schedule for the Devils, mostly local opponents. Uh, the split squad game is something they've done in the past a couple times. So yeah. that yeah. even that's not that new. I think they the usually thing... see those teams that they see at the prospects tournament in Buffalo or whatever it is. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to, I don't know how that's going to be set up uh, this year, but chances are we'll, we'll find out when that gets a little closer. Mm-hmm. Um, broadcast yeah. information of course has not been announced yet. So I do not know if they're going to be aired, but we'll see. Um, all games are going to be at the arenas for each team. There's no neutral site games this year. Um, What's the other thing I wanted to bring up? Oh, yeah. The one interesting thing about this preseason schedule is that there's no natural break after that uh, split squad game. It's uh, a game every other day. So there's no like two day break. Well, you could go, well, who's going to get cut and sent to Utica? Um, Utica's camp is going to Utica begins their season in mid-October. So they're going to have a camp probably just around maybe the second to last game for the Devils in this preseason. So I would anticipate a lot of cuts to happen around that weekend of September 30th and October 1st. Mm-hmm. That's my guess. All right. Well, we'll be, uh, I guess, looking forward to that and seeing who makes their case to join this team. And we'll be back with any updates as they come uh, in the summer. It may be a little sparse. I'm doing a little bit of traveling just to give you a look behind the curtain. But if there is a major news that breaks and we're able to record, then so we shall as the Devils continue to shape this team into the contenders that they truly are. Man, it feels good to say that, but it feels good to have people kind of acknowledge that. And I know, you know, they're feeling the responsibility on their shoulders. However much we're feeling it for them, they're feeling it times 8,000. So hopefully they're able to come back strong. And, you know, despite the changes, pretty much pick up where they left off last year. So yep. uh, as always... Thank you all for listening. We know it's been a while and we know it's been sparse, but it's the off season. You can't blame us. But like I said, we'll be back with any news that breaks about this team and how they look moving forward. So as always, let's go Devils. Go Devils. See you next time.